This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. Well, today in our teaching time, we are going to go over the Thessalonians passage. And the first thing I want to ask is, what is everyone's favorite season? Okay, who said fall? Yep, back there. Uh, everyone saying fall? Summer. Spring, summer, yeah. Okay, well, here is the thing. Paul here talks about concerning the times and the seasons. Brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. So let's turn to the next slide. This relates, by the way. Now, what we're talking about here is the fact that Paul is congratulating the Thessalonians because they caught on quickly. They were quick to apprehend the truths that Paul was sharing with them. And so here is an illustration of, and I'm going to talk about, one of my students because this kid caught on very quickly. You see, this is long division. What's going on here is you divide into this digit. You take the divisor and divide into the dividend. And here are the steps. Divide, multiply, subtract, and then bring down. DMSB, or if you will, does McDonald's serve burgers? That's a good way to remember that. So I was explaining to the class how to do this. You know, three goes into seven two times. You multiply, three times two is six. You subtract, you have one, and then you bring down the six. So right at this point, this kid said, Mr. Carl, this is an example, by the way, because I don't remember the actual problem we were working on, but Mr. Carl, the answer is 256. I said, well, I, I've only got to the second step, but I know the answer. What's going on here and how this relates is he caught on quickly. He very quickly apprehended the process, what they call now the traditional algorithm. You know, there's other ways to do it, and well, I'm not going to go into that. But he got the idea so quickly that before I had even gotten past the second step, he knew the answer to the entire problem because he saw the process, worked it out, and he said, I know the answer. Because whatever it was we were working on, if it took too long to explain it to the other kids in the class, he would mutter out loud, I feel like I'm getting dumber listening to this. Because he wanted to move on quickly. But anyway, the Thessalonians caught on quickly. That's why Paul tells them that he has no need to write to them about the times or the seasons and about the day of the Lord because they knew that the one true fact about this and they knew for certain that they weren't supposed to know. Everybody understand that? They knew that they weren't supposed to know the, when the day of the Lord is coming. Right? Jesus told us that. 
It is not for you to know the times or the seasons by which the Father is set by his own authority. So, they knew that. They were grasping the truth and he was really proud of them for that. <clears throat> now, last week we talked about in our Bible study in the passage from Amos that talked about the day of the Lord. Everybody remembers that during the Bible study. We talked about how the day of the Lord for some people is going to be a day of absolute terror because they're not in Christ. They have not come to faith in Jesus. So they are not looking forward to the time when Jesus comes back. But those of us who have come to faith in Christ and said, Jesus, I put my trust in you. I confess and I repent of my sins. Please forgive me. We're going to be going, is he here yet? Where is he? I can't wait for him to get here. And the people who don't know Christ are going to be looking at us like saying, are you out of your mind? But you can say, hey, whatever. You know, I'm happy about the day of the Lord coming. Now, Paul also points out, like Jesus did, that the day of the Lord will be like a thief in the night. You don't know when the burglar is going to show up at your house, do you? If you're going to be burgled. Now, there are those where, you know, it's not like there's some burglar service where they'll call you on the phone and ring, ring, ring. Hey, this is Bob's burglar service. We've noticed that you haven't scheduled your house for we can come and rob you. And I see that we have an open time on Tuesday next week. Can I go ahead and set that up for you? Not going to happen, right? There's no, nobody's going to have a phone number listing Bob's burglar service. So we don't know when the thief is going to show up and come at the middle of the night. And in the same way, we don't know when Jesus is going to come back. And we've had that point reassured, you know, pointed out to us numerous times in the New Testament that we're not going to know. And we need to stop trying to figure it out. If you have someone come to you and say, I know when Jesus is coming back because I had a dream last night and <clears throat> he said it was going to be four o'clock in the afternoon on December 22nd, 2062. If you have somebody tell you something like that, run the other way as fast as you can go because they're obviously a false prophet. They don't know. And like that ordeal, what was it about 10 years ago where we had this one radio network where the guy was prophesying that Jesus is going to return on May 19th on that year. It was, I believe it was 2012 or so. Well, guess what? He didn't come and we're still here. Then they came up with the story of, well, that was a spiritual coming. He's actually physically going to come on December 20th. And that day came and went. And the dude that represents them that I, I occasionally still get an email from the guy and he's still going at it, convinced that he knows the time and the day. And one time I told the guy, I said, wait a minute. Don't you remember that part where Jesus said we're not going to know? Uh, yeah, 
but that was different. Okay, well, all right, whatever, dude, you know, and I hung up the phone. So we don't know. Now, verses six and seven, therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. And this sleep here is not death. It's not where we die and then we're just kind of asleep waiting for Jesus to come back. This sleep means ignorance, insensibility, inactivity, or lethargy. This means you're kind of going, you know, about spiritual stuff. And so that's what that means. Now, then Paul says, be sober. And this does not mean boring or humorless, but one who knows the value of things and one who knows, one who does not know the value of what's being talked about. And this person is being sober is not going to be a party animal. You know, you're not going to hear him going out, you know, every other night, you know, doing whatever and partying. You're going to have a serious person who's not dozing off spiritually, and this person is going to be awake and alive and really ready to go. Now, they're, in this case, they're not going to be, as I might have said already, humorless, like some people we know. And I remember this kid that I was going to college with, and this fella had no sense of humor whatsoever. He was like a stump. And you'd tell a joke, everybody else would laugh, and he'd just sit there and stare at you. And I would think, are you okay? You know, his name was Larry. Are you okay, Larry? Uh, yeah. Uh, but he was like that. You could tell the funniest joke in the world and he'd just look at you like he'd seen a ghost or something. And that's the kind of thing we're talking about here. Someone who has absolutely no sense of humor, no vibrancy of life, no excitement about what's going on in their hearts and minds. And so we go now to verse 9. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we've been appointed to salvation. Now, it's sort of kind of like this. We, we know because we've, gotten, we've come to Christ and we know we're in Christ. And so it's kind of like when, when we were getting ready to be promoted to the next grade when I was in middle school. And the teacher, we would know that we're getting promoted. But the teacher would stand up at the end of the year and say, if I called your name, go out into the hall. So we'd sit there and say, well, you know, my name should be called, you know. And so we got our name called. We went out into the hall and she said, congratulations to you all. You're going to be promoted and you're going on to high school next year. And we go, yay, you know. But that's what was happening. We were appointed and we were promoted. Now the other kids who were sitting, still sitting in the classroom, they didn't know what was happening. And so that's pretty much a good accurate picture of what's gonna happen on the, when the day of the Lord comes. The people who know Jesus and who are in Christ will know that that's what's happening. 
And the people who are not are going to be confused, they're going to be terrified, and they are going to be at wit's end. They're not going to know what's coming. How many of us have seen some of those movies about the rapture that all these people suddenly disappear and the people who are left behind are screaming and crying and there's cars crashing and all kinds of stuff. We don't know if that's the way it's going to happen, but it's one way to look at it. And But it describes our issue we're talking about here. The people who know Jesus are going to be out of here with the rapture. And the people who don't are going to be terrified, wondering what's going on. Amen? Now, this last sleep that he's talking about here, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, this is verse 10, we should live together with him. In this case, this is the kind of sleep Lazarus was in. You know, in other words, this is when you die and then you get risen from the dead. But whether we've all gone on to the Lord already or whether we're still here, we should live for him. And therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. You see, what we are to do and the thing that we can be positive about, the thing that can give us encouragement in this life for the, from this passage is that we know that we can look forward to the day that when Jesus returns, we don't have anything to worry about. It, we can be encouraged and we can lift up one another and encourage one another because we know our future is secure, our destination is set and certain, and that we know where we're going when the day comes. Amen? Amen. So let's continue to lift up and encourage one another and keep walking and keep walking that walk of faith. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your power for living.